Greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one, crying in the wilderness of this world. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every crooked path straight. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we were discussing what happened in Acts chapter 6. We read just a portion of Acts chapter 6 verse 1. And it was now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying. And we wanted to find out what was it that happened in those days that brought about the multiplying of the disciples. And then we noted that while the Bible speaks of disciples, we tend to speak of members. That brought us to distinguishing between members and disciples. And we said that members would attend church, but they have no commitment to Christ. They may be committed to a church, they may be committed to a church doctrine, they may be committed to a pastor, but they have no commitment to Christ himself. Whereas the disciple is committed to Christ and his word. We noted also that a member may tithe, may be a church worker, may be doing so many things in the church, but he is not concerned with the weightier matters of the gospel. Things like spiritual growth, faith, persecution, suffering, being able to withstand the challenges of life. Whereas a disciple is focused essentially on spiritual growth. He's focused on developing himself in the mold of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's focused on being what Christ wants him to be. Thirdly, we noted that members may live as they like. They actually live for themselves. They don't live for Christ. They live for themselves. But the disciples' motto is to live for Christ, for the one who died for his soul. We also noted that a member may not necessarily be born again, not to even talk of being sanctified. They just come to church. The issue of being born again is not strong for them. It's not an issue as far as they are concerned. But for the disciple, the starting point is a salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Having confessed his sin and his sinfulness and repudiated sin, being ready to now come to Christ clean of his sins and sinfulness. Whereas a member can continue to live in sin and still come to church. And he's not bothered. As long as he has come to church, he's okay. He thinks that he's okay. So those are some of the differences. Then we spoke about the member focusing on what they can get rather than what they can give. But the motto of the disciple is that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the disciple is more focused on giving to the body of Christ, giving to others. That is giving of himself, the love of God to others. Whereas the member is focused on love for self. So the member is selfish, whereas the disciple is other-centered. We noted that the member may be unwilling to make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel. These are the people that you hear making statements like, it's my money, it's what I want to do. But for a disciple, his life is one of service and sacrifice. The life of a disciple is the life of serving God, serving the people of God, serving the people that God wants him to serve, and making all the necessary sacrifices in order to make that service happen. Finally, we noted that a member may actually hold ecclesiastical office. He may be a pastor. He may be a deacon. He may be a bishop. 
but he is not growing and does not intend to grow in the experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may ordain him. He may be a church worker. He might be a deacon. He might be somebody holding office. He might even be a bishop. But he is not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is interested in the office, in the title, in whatever he thinks that title will bring to him. That is his interest. But for a disciple, he may not even hold any office. But his hunger is for Christ. His hunger is for more of Christ. His hunger is for all of Christ. So a disciple is someone who has sat down and counted the cost, whether he is able to go through what is demanded of him as a disciple. Am I ready to die for Christ? Am I ready to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Am I ready to make sacrifices? Members don't do that. But a disciple is one who has done that. It is possible for a member, having heard a message and is touched by the message in the inner man, to now sit down and take stock. And I'm using this opportunity to say, if you have not sat down to take stock of what it is to be a disciple or what it is costing you, please do that now. You need to do that. Because if you don't, you will just remain at the rudimentary level of being a church member and have nothing to do with Christ. You may even make getting to heaven a goal. But without your being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that goal will be a dream at best. It will not be achieved. Because to achieve the goal of getting into heaven, you ought yourself to be a disciple. You ought to have sat down to count the cost because it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you your life. The Lord Jesus Christ said so. It's going to cost you friends. It's going to cost you even family members. It will cost you a lot. In Luke chapter 14 from verse 25 or so, he said, if you do not hate your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your very life, you cannot be my disciple. And he says, if you do not pick up your cross and follow me, that is come after me, be ready to die. Whenever you saw somebody carrying his cross in those days, you have seen somebody who's going to his execution because the Romans insisted that the person to be executed carry his cross to the execution ground. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about there. So until you are ready to pay the ultimate price with your life, you are not ready for heaven. That's the simple truth. In today's broadcast, we want to speak a little bit more on a disciple. But this time we want to discuss discipleship. That is the process or the state of being a disciple. The process or the state of being a disciple. Historically, a disciple was a student, a pupil, a learner, and he had a master. It was like going to school, but in that school, you didn't have several teachers teaching several subjects. You had only one teacher. He was basically the master, and all the pupils were learning under this fellow. He was basically a teacher of philosophy. He taught philosophical things, and he used everyday occurrences to teach his pupils. Usually, the teachers were non-violent, and so they taught their students not to be violent. They taught them how to interact with other people, how to relate with nations, because these disciples were sent by their parents most times to these masters who taught them, especially those who were going to become kings or generals and so on and so forth. They tended to want to teach them not to 
think of using force all the time. But military training was different from the philosophical training. So after these people left the master's place, they went for their military training and they were taught a completely different thing. Anyway, that was the historical antecedent of discipleship. Scripturally speaking, a disciple is a learner and a follower, literally, of his master. And we're talking of general terms now. So anywhere you'd see the master, you most likely would find his disciples around him. Because they literally followed him from one place to the other. So a disciple in those days was somebody who has left home. He had left all and he had followed, he had gone to follow this master. Wherever this master would go, wherever the master slept, they slept. It was like a community. That was how it was scripturally. He followed the master everywhere. He did as the master instructed. The master's instruction to the disciple was essentially a command. He followed in a disciplined and devoted manner the doctrine or the teaching and the lifestyle of the master. So that after some time, the disciple began to act like the master. So you read about the disciples of the Pharisees or the disciples of Gamaliel or the disciples of John the Baptist. And then we now come to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. After some time, the term disciple was applied essentially to those who were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was why in Acts chapter 19, reading from verse 1, when Paul got to Ephesus, he met some disciples. He believed that because they were called disciples, that they were disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and began to ask if they had received the Holy Spirit. And they now said to him, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, not to talk of receiving him. It was then Paul asked them, but... You say you are disciples, so to what were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized into John's teachings. We identify with John's teachings. Ah, you have followed somebody who was teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you should be following. And indeed, we know that looking at John chapter 1, that John himself began to point his disciples to Christ. And only two of them actually recorded to have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be Andrew and John. And that would be in John chapter 1, I think from about verse 29 there about when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And those two disciples followed the Lord Jesus. And when he saw them following, he asked, What seek ye? And they said, Master, where do you live? They went to see where he was, stayed with him. The next day, Andrew went and called Peter. And that was how they began to build the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we want to look at the New Testament discipleship. The New Testament discipleship is what brought about the growth of the disciples to the extent that the Bible had to record that in those days when the disciples were multiplying. So we want to look at what was it that brought about such growth of disciples to the point that they were said to be multiplying. So the New Testament discipleship is the process of bringing a person who has surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ to now follow his teachings, to now learn of the Lord Jesus Christ, his doctrine and his lifestyle. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 11, I think 28 to, 29, to 30 or so, he said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He said, come and take my yoke. My burden, my burden is light and easy. Put it upon yourself. Learn of me. 
discipleship is about learning about Christ, learning his lifestyle, learning his doctrine, because you cannot separate his lifestyle from his doctrine. His doctrine is what gives rise to the way and manner by which he lives. And when you look at his lifestyle, you also find his doctrine. So New Testament discipleship is about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a ministry. It's not about a church, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. So a disciple is not born a disciple from the womb. He is made. He becomes a disciple. He is made a disciple. He is transformed from the sinner who has repudiated his sin, who has confessed his sin, and is now transformed into one that is in the mold of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go ye therefore and make disciples. He's not saying go and bring members. Go and make disciples. When we talk of making something, we're talking of a manufacturing process as it were. A process of transforming something from whatever it is to a new state. In the old King James, he said, go and teach, go therefore and teach all nations. So the making of a disciple is by teaching. You teach him the word of God. So discipleship is about teaching, teaching the word of God. In the message translation, he says, train them in this way of life. So we're talking of discipleship as making, teaching, and training in a new way of life. Because it is a life they have never lived. Don't forget that the early disciples, the very first set of disciples that we are discussing in Acts chapter 6, were essentially Judaists. They were people who were Jews following the laws of Moses. And now they had come into Christ and they now had to be taught the new way. The new way by which the Lord Jesus Christ wanted them to live. So before disciples were called Christians in Acts chapter 11 verse 26, they were known as followers or disciples of the way. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter uh, 14 verse 6, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they were known as the followers of the way. That's how they were called. In Acts chapter 9 verse 2, speaking about the persecution, let me read verse 1 and 2 for completeness. It says, then Saul, still breathing, threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem this was essentially how they were known they were known as followers or disciples of the way in Acts chapter 19 verse 9 Acts chapter 19 verse 9 but when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. Before the multitude, he, that is Paul, departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. He's telling us about how Paul took the disciples he was training. When the Jews began to speak ill of the Lord Jesus Christ, he took them away, took them to a private school, as it were, and began to teach them there. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, we are told of a new and living way. It says, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. 
So the Lord Jesus Christ was that way. And we all need to learn his way. We need to learn how he wants us to live because we never learned it before. We've never lived that way before. Whether you were a Judaizer or you were a religious person, whatever you were, you've never learned that way before. In Luke chapter 5, verse 37 through to 39, he says here, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wine skins, or else the new wine will bust the wine skins and be spilled, and the wine skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wine skins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. So what he was saying here is, there is a new way, a new way by which we reach out to God, a new way by which we come to God. It's the way of repentance of sin. It's a way that lets us understand that, first and foremost, we are sinners, and we need a Savior to save us. And having been saved, we must now begin to walk in a way that is expected of us. This new lifestyle, he depicts as the new wineskin. And the new wine being the spirit of God in the new, in the believer. So you cannot put the spirit of God in an old container. It will damage it. You cannot put the spirit of God in Judaism. You cannot put the spirit of God even in Catholicism. You cannot put the spirit of God in many of the orthodox things that we are doing. The spirit of God must be put in the new wine skin. The new wine skin is that individual who has committed his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that person that the Spirit of God can stay. Otherwise, the wineskin will be burst. Because you discover that if the Spirit of God comes into you and you are still hardened, you are still stubborn, it will be difficult for the Spirit of God to have his way in your life. In fact, many people begin to quarrel and fight with the Spirit of God over even the Word of God. And you see a lot of rebellion in the lives of such people. So it was crucial that these new people who had come to Christ through salvation be taught the new way. It was crucial that they be trained in this new way, that they be made to become new creations. So the disciples were taught about the way, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and his way of life, his doctrine, his lifestyle as distinct from the lifestyle that we have been living. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our purpose in life is new. Those ambitions we had before we came to Christ must die. And we have a new beginning, as it were, in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what discipleship is about. It's about bringing us out of bondage from sin, away from the flesh by which we used to live, crucifying the flesh and its passions and affections that we have been used to, and then bring us into a new lifestyle, a new way of meekness, a new way of holiness, a new way of living as newborn babes before our Lord. A new way by which we don't take decisions on our own. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to know what the Lord wants us to do. We seek his will. This is the new way. And this is what discipleship is focused on. Teaching people to come to this new way. Not the old way. 
where we used to do things as we liked. Not the old way, where the priest in those days was the go-between. The Bible tells us that the mediator between man and God is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the pastor. It's not the bishop. So the new way is not what many of us are even practicing today. It was this kind of discipleship that led to the multiplication of disciples rather than members. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7, the Bible speaks of women who were gullible and being misled by false teachers. He says they were ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. A disciple is ever learning also. However, he progressively attains to the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, because he is the truth. As the disciple is being taught, he is progressively knowing more and more about the Lord, and he is able to interact with him experientially, as though he was there with the Lord. It is what makes prayer a delight. Because you know that you are not praying to thin air. You know that you are praying to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. You are able to touch, as it were, in a real way, the mind of God. You are able to know what God is saying. Essentially, discipleship is a lifetime of learning about the lifestyle, about doctrine, about the way to live. So it's a lifetime of learning and living the new way. It is a lifetime. It doesn't have an ending. We are ever learning the way by which we are to live according to the new way. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 on to verse 9, you will discover in verse 8 and 9 that it talks about if people are abounding, that is growing in faith, moral excellence of virtue, knowledge of God, as in investigating about God, self-control, perseverance or long-suffering, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. That if people are growing that way, we are growing and adding these things to our faith, the salvation, the, the saving faith that we have. He says, we will not be unfruitful in the knowledge. That is, in the fuller understanding, in the fuller knowledge, in the fuller experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that those who don't grow like this, they are short-sighted if not blind haven't forgotten that they were delivered from sin. So we find people who are not growing like this, ending up in sin, going back to a life of sin, rather than living for God. This is the import of discipleship. It is the way by which we grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is how we grow to a point where we can be seen as living, not just for Christ, but as Christ lived. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us that God had predetermined that all those who will come to Christ will be made conformable to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn, that Jesus Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. In Romans 12, 2, the Bible says, Be ye not conformed to this world. To conform is to be in fashion of. To be along a fashion. To transform is to change form. So it says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't follow. Don't be in the mold or in the fashion, in the form of the people of this world. But be changed in your form. 
by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God until we are conformed to the image of Christ through the transforming power of the word of God and by his spirit. We will not be able to prove, to know what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable always to God, and perfect. You can add to it, you can subtract from it. It is discipleship that brings us to that place. A person, and I'm not talking of, I know some churches have some programs that they run, you know, it's uh, something you do and things like that. No, discipleship is about training in the word of God, being taught the word of God, training. There are basics and then there are the advanced portions of it where the Lord, by the spirit of God, you are being taught. One of the first areas of discipleship is the washing, the cleaning, the removing of all the old things. It is by the word that these things are removed. It is not a voluntary thing. If you want to get into discipleship, it is something that you must count the cost. Another, it's going to cost me. It's going to cost you friendship. It's going to even cost you relationship with those who are very close to you, as in your parents, your spouse, your children. It doesn't mean that you are to abandon them. It just means that your priorities will be to God over them, even your own life. Discipleship is therefore the process of making or transforming a sinner into a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the process by which a sinner who has come to the Lord Jesus Christ is transformed and being transformed into a devoted and dedicated follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not talking of somebody who is sold out. There was a time some people were called fanatics. But it's not about fanatism in that sense. It's just about somebody who is sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the doing of the Lord. So in discipleship, we are talking of making such a person to follow the teachings and the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ was here, he taught his disciples. You will notice that if you read the Bible, especially the, the Gospels, you will see that our disciples would ask him certain questions and he would answer. In answering those questions, he formed a body of doctrine. Prayer, for example, was a pattern by which we're to pray. Who we're to pray to, how we're to pray to, what to say and what not to say, and things like that. Some of this were born out of questions. Some others were born out of just straight teachings. For example, when he was talking about the kingdom of God, he said, to what can we liken the kingdom of God? And he began to speak of a pearl merchant who was looking for pearls, and then he found one pearl of great price and went and sold all the pearls that he had and came and acquired this one pearl. It tells you instantly that that merchant ceased to be a merchant the day he got that pearl. So what is the Lord saying? He's saying that the kingdom of God transforms you radically. It changes you from what you were into a new person. So discipleship is where you are being taught about the things that the Lord had taught others, which is now a body, as it were, of teachings or doctrine. Doctrine is in the Bible. Doctrine is not the creed of a church. Doctrine is not what somebody says is doctrine. Doctrine is in the Bible. The Bible is available to everybody. However, you need somebody to teach you. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the first set of people to whom the gospel was preached, when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, when they 
came to Christ, the 3,000 of them, the Bible says in the old King James, and they continued in the doctrine of the apostles. The word doctrine there is not that the apostles now created the doctrine. No, in the teachings of the apostles. And the apostles were teaching what the Lord Jesus Christ had taught them. In the Good News Bible translation of Acts 2.42, it says they spent their time learning from the apostles, of course, about the Lord Jesus Christ and his lifestyle. Let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called on circumcision, by what is called the circumcision, that is the circumcision of the Jews or circumcision of the Gentiles, made in the flesh by hands, a circumcision made by hands, not by the Spirit. The circumcision of the Gentiles was one made by the Spirit of God in the heart. That at that time, you were without Christ, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. This was who we were. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. He is talking of both the Jews and the Gentiles. He has brought them as one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, whereby the circumcised Jews refused to accept the Gentiles unless they were circumcised. But by the new way, circumcision was not important. So it was a completely new way. Even the Jews could not accept it because by their own way, they were not to deal with people who were uncircumcised. But under the new way, circumcision was not essential and they couldn't understand it. The Gentiles were of, course, were of course happy because if they were going to be Judaists, they would have to be circumcised regardless of how old they had become. But under the new way, the dispensation of the gospel, it wasn't necessary. So he had brought the two together, both circumcised and uncircumcised in verse 15 says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So even the Judaists, who thought they were right, were already enemies of God because they were not able to live for God. It was this salvation that Jesus Christ brought that made it possible by the power that is in what he did at the cross, bestowed upon man, that enabled man to be able to have relationship with God, to be obedient to God through sanctification. We couldn't obey God. Even the Jews could not obey God. That was why they had to give sacrifices every year. But after Christ came, sacrifices ended. It was now a once and for all death. There was no need to make sacrifices again. The original sacrifice had now come and had been paid. In verse 17 it says, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, that is those of us who are Gentiles, and to those who were near. Those who were near are the Jews. Those who were already near God, the Jews. Those who were far off, the Gentiles. He came and preached to both of them and brought them near to God. In verse 18 it says, For through him we both have access that is, both Gentiles and Jews have access by one spirit to the Father. Not through a pastor, not through a prophet, not through a seer. Direct to the Father by the Spirit. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. Discipleship wants you to understand that you are not a stranger. You are not a stranger to God. You don't need to go through anybody to God. Go to God in the name of Jesus by the Spirit of God. 
you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are now a family member of God. God is now your father. You are a member of the household of God. You are a member of the family of God. Having been built, this is the transformation, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Here he's speaking of the teachings, the foundation is the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. That's the foundational teaching. It was essential that having been born again in Acts chapter 2, they now had to be taught the new way. Because the new way was completely different from the way they had been living. It was essential that they were taught that. So discipleship is about that new way. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he made a very interesting comment from verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 10. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. You could read this same scripture as the Lord Jesus Christ writing to you and I. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Now Jesus' doctrine, his teachings, the manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction, which be happened to him in Jerusalem and all of Judea and even in Galilee where he had his headquarters. In verse 12 it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We're going to discuss that later. He says, but evil men, note this, and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's nothing you are going to do. You cannot reduce or diminish evil in the world. It will continue to increase and to expand each day. In verse 14, it says, but you must continue. I told you, it's ever learning. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. We must continue. We must live in the things that we have learned. Our learning is for living as believers in the new way. We are not learning for head knowledge. We are not learning just because we want to learn. We are learning to live as we ought to live. And in verse 15, and that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. If you continue to read, you discover that the scriptures is the basis for such a change that prepares the man of God to be able to do good works, which is what disciples are supposed to be doing. Good works, works that are a pleasure to God, works that are pleasing to God. So discipleship, which is the process of making a sinner into a disciple, requires that that disciple is made to follow, to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, about his way, about his doctrine, about his lifestyle, about his persecution, about his afflictions, about his sufferings. How did he, con how did he conduct himself at those times? The Bible says when he was reviled, he did not revile. The Bible says as a sheep before a shearers, he was silent. These are the things that we are supposed to learn. The Lord Jesus Christ said, learn of me for I am meek and lowly. I'm not proud. I'm not arrogant. So these are the things that discipleship seek to establish in us. That we be like Christ. 
that we conduct ourselves in a manner like Christ that when they look at us, they'll say, these people are behaving like that Jesus of Nazareth. In John chapter 1, John had to write and say, John the Baptist came to show the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was not that light, but he came to show the people the light, the true light, which lights every man. So John the Baptist lived in a manner that would suggest that he was the light, but he was not. This is what is expected of us. Discipleship radically transforms us to the place where we are like Christ in our every conduct. It is not a one-day matter. It is not a school program issue. It is not a Bible school matter. This is a matter of life, a lifetime of teachings and learning. You may be taught in church. In fact, the church is meant to be a school where we go to every week to learn more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we have left church, we go and leave it out on a daily basis. We make our mistakes and the Spirit of God speaks to us says, next time live like this. Don't do it this way. Live like this. This is what the Bible says. So we learn in church on Sunday maybe another weekday, and then we leave it out on a daily basis. We have a situation where every day people are in church. Every day people are in church. Many times just making noise, nothing more than that. Praying for one thing for themselves, not discipleship. Just asking, 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 asking. The other day, I was vulcanizing my tire somewhere, and I heard some people shout and say, who are those people? It's a woman teaching a group of women. What are they doing? Nothing but praying for their wares to be sold, praying for their husbands. No teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just asking, asking. Those are members. In discipleship, you are taught about the Lord. The focus is the Lord. The focus is the kingdom of God. The focus is the new way of living. New Testament discipleship encourages the disciple to progressively grow in the knowledge, in the experiential knowledge, the experimental knowledge of the truth that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and his way. So we progressively grow, we progressively grow based on teachings in the word of God from the Bible itself. A disciple cannot progressively grow based on philosophy that is outside of the Bible. The Bible is the textbook for discipleship. In John chapter 16, when the Lord was about to leave the earth, he said some things to his disciples. John 16, 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And in chapter 14, verse 26, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the disciple is taught. By the Spirit of God. Oh, there are men who will teach. But these men are themselves anointed by the Spirit of God to teach the Word of God. So that what you are hearing is a teaching by the Spirit of God impacting that life. And bringing transformation to life. So that the man is progressively, he's growing in the knowledge of the truth. You will not know all of Christ overnight. You are progressively growing, progressively growing. Each year you should have grown in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would have made mistakes, but you will grow more and more. That's discipleship. It was what they had that the Bible said they were multiplying. And that's what we want to see. Thirdly, discipleship is about preparing a man or a woman who was once a sinner and has now become saved for the inevitable. 
the gospel that we preach today is at variance with the gospel in the Bible. We must prepare people for the inevitable. The Lord Jesus Christ said, if they did certain things to him, the master, they would also do it to us, the followers. He says, the servant is not greater than the master. Let me read John 15, verse 18 to verse 20. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world will hate you. So what's the crying? Why do we cry and behave as if we don't know the, what the word of God is saying? Because we have not been taught. We have not been taught these things. All the teachers is how to come and get money, make money so that we can bring money to them. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So they don't have to keep your word. Because they didn't keep his word. You must be made ready for the days of persecution. Brethren, whether we like it or not, persecution is, is here already. We have been persecuted. Have you noticed how those days that were now reserved for church have become something Games are played more on Sundays than on, at any, on any other day. There are some things that your children are not allowed to do in school. Children are being taught the things that are at variance with the word of God. Children are being made to participate in Halloween, whether they want to or not, without even the knowledge of the parents. Persecution is here already. And we are not ready to suffer. We are not ready to pay. There are some parents who have decided that they want to be Christians and they want to raise their children to fear God. They pull those children out of schools and do what is called homeschooling. How many of us are able to do that? Is it in a situation where we are chasing after money that we can't homeschool? We can't. So we just go there, we make noise on social media, grumble and snort, and that's where it ends. Our children are as confused as we are. And we are suffering. Because nobody's preparing us for this. Let me show you Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 and verse 30. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 and 30. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You were granted the privilege, the grace to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. But you were also in that same mold, in that same process, given the privilege to suffer for him. It is a privilege to suffer for Christ. The disciples were whipped. The Bible says that they came out rejoicing that, wow, you mean we're considered worthy to suffer the kind of suffering that they will give to the Lord Jesus Christ? We, we must be prepared for that. The kind of agitations and noise that I hear from Christians is strange. It's because nobody's teaching us anything. Christianity is taking a bashing even in the church. Pastors are more in interested in money and a lifestyle of luxury and privilege than teaching the truth that suffering is a very significant part. And many of them not wanting to suffer begin to motivate their members to agitate against governments, teaching rebellion. When the Bible says that we are to obey every ordinance, when the apostles were being arrested by governments, they did not petition any senator in the Roman Empire. They did not petition anybody. Today, people think that America is the bastion of Christianity. No! America is not the bastion of Christianity. Christ is the bastion of Christianity. If we go to God, if he wants to deliver us, he will deliver us. If not, he will not. And it doesn't mean that God is any less. God has his reasons for doing what he's doing. We must have faith. We were called not just to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. And we must be prepared for it. This is what discipleship does. Discipleship does not paint a rosy picture that is non-existent. 
Discipleship prepares us for the challenges, the tough times, the rough times. The Bible says, if in the day of adversity you faint, your strength is small. The message says, if in that day you fail, then there was really nothing to you in the first place. There was nothing to your so-called Christianity. I've said it before, that a mountain of cotton fluff remains a mountain in the absence of the wind. But put a little child with a fan and the cotton fluff goes to bits and pieces. Many people who say they are Christians, they are no more than cotton fluff. So the moment the challenges of life come, they scatter. The Lord Jesus Christ concluded his teaching on the mount in um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27 or so. He said, the person who hears my teachings and does them, I will liken him to the wise master builder who built his house upon the rock. The rain came, the wind came, the storms came, they beat upon that house, but it stood for its foundation was on the rock. He said, the best that hears my teachings and does not do them, I will liken him to the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came, the wind came, the storms came, and great was the fall of that house. Why? It was built upon sand. The fact that you are a Christian does not mean that you will not face the challenges of life. Anybody who tells you otherwise is a false prophet, is a false teacher, is a false pastor. It's from the kingdom of Satan. The disciple must be prepared for the inevitable. You may not suffer. But you must be prepared to suffer. In those days, these disciples were so effective because of the kind of discipleship that they went through. So that in spite of the challenges and the difficulties they were facing, they were taught that they have to suffer. And in the teachings, they were prepared. Imagine what happened when Saul of Tarsus began to pursue them all over the place. That was when Christianity spread. They wanted to stay in one place, but God used Saul's persecution to spread them out. We would have been shouting and screaming and asking government to come and do one thing or the other. We would have been shouting and writing Islamization, Islamization. We cannot see that Nigeria as a nation must stay as it is because it gives us access to the north without a visa. How many of us can enter into Saudi Arabia today? We can't. Was it Pakistan? We can't. To preach? We can't. We may have challenges preaching in the north, but we have access nonetheless. And they can come to the south where we can teach them. I saw a beautiful video on social media of a Nigerian, somebody from Niger, who was preaching the gospel, preaching sound scriptural gospel. Why? He said he came here to do something else, but he was caught by Christ. Now he must take Christ to his own nation and teach them the word of God. What an understanding of what discipleship is. What an understanding of the kingdom of God. What an understanding of the gospel that that young man had. He didn't have to go to Bible school, but he had that understanding. Beloved, in those days, when the disciples were multiplying, it was because discipleship was at the center of everything they were doing. It must be at the center of what we're doing. And I make bold to say that any church or gathering that does not make discipleship the center, is walking contrary to the will and counsel of Almighty God. My prayer for us as I come to a close now, is that the Almighty God will grant us the grace to humble ourselves and to submit ourselves to his discipleship. The process by which he's going to convert us who have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ into people who are like Christ. And until we meet again, I say to you, God bless you and goodbye.